The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel, and as always, I'm here with Mike, and we're going to give you a rundown of the week that was in all elite wrestling. But before we get into the action, Mike, how are you holding up? Well, it's been three weeks now since I've been in quarantine, so that's something. <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's been weird, man. It's kind of when that it's kind of sinking in now. We're we're in this for a good bit. Um, I uh, <laughs> I'm doing good. You know, finally my calf is feeling better, so I went for a walk yesterday. It was pretty nice. I was gonna go for a run today, but it's kind of crappy out. And I slept in a bit because we watched. We had like police all around our apartment comp, like apartment area last night in the park next to us. And we basically spent an hour and a half watching reality TV, trying to figure out what the cops were doing. Um, Did you ever figure it out? No. Well, they ended up towing a car. And my guess is that they found there was like an abandoned car in the park. And they were looking for like a drunk driver who may have got, got out of the car and passed uh, out somewhere. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Because there's actually been this van in the park for about a month now that I'm pretty sure people are living in. So I thought it was that because the the cops were by that at first and the car has like this orange like ticket sticker on the side. Yeah, of it. So yeah, I, I know what kind of thing you're talking about. I've seen those before. Yeah, it um it wasn't that though. So I'm a little little concerned, you know, but we ended up calling the police and basically being like, "Hey, can you tell us what's going on?" It's like, "No, unfortunately, they're investigating something." maybe call back in a half an hour and we're like, we just want to make sure that we're safe. <laughs> you know, like that's the thing that we want to do. So, um, it ended up, I guess it ended up being okay, but we, we, you know, everyone was a little on edge about it cause they literally were in our driveway. Um, and by the, at the peak, there was maybe seven police cars in the, uh, the park next to us. So it's a great mystery. We ended up watching train to Busan afterwards, which if you don't know what that is, it's a zombie movie from South Korea. And it is amazing. And it's really weird because they were like, there's like quarantine zones in the movie and it just kind of really hit home <laughs> with everything. Yeah, it sounds it, like a great one, thing to be watching right now. Well done. Well, yeah, it's one of those like, ooh, bad idea to watch Train, Train to Busan during a pandemic. Good idea. Watch Train to Busan because it's really, really good. So it was one of those like, ooh, man, this hits home a little, little more today. So. But other than that, doing good, you know, feeling better about things and just trying to get through this. So how how you doing, man? How's the first week in the new apartment? I'm really liking it. It's it's really good. Um, it's really great to be in our own space and have all of our stuff out of our storage unit. So uh, still not done unpacking. It's a long process. And um I already realized that I put some things away that I need to get back out because they were the wrong things. You know, we have way too many knives in our kitchen. And so I I packed some of them in a box and put the box away. And I was like, great, we got our set out. And then I got these to put away. But I put away the ones that should have been in the knife block. So (laughs) I got to dig them back out again. Um, But, you know, it's it's whatever. And, and, you know, we've kind of adjusted to being here. We kind of had a chill weekend this past weekend, which was nice. Um, and watched Peanut Butter Falcon, which was awesome. I don't know. Have you seen that? 
I haven't, but I've heard of it, and it's on my list to to watch right now. So so good, so good. Um, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it was just one of the most fun movies I've seen. It's really short. Um, it's only like an hour and a half long, so it's a quick watch, and it's really fun, and it's just a great story and great adventure. So you know, it has obviously like a pro wrestling angle and some tie-ins with some of the the actors who are in it, Mick Foley and and Jake the Snake. But um, you know, it been on my list for a while, and I've had a lot of friends basically be like, "Check it out, it's it's good." So. And right now, what else am I going to do? You know? It's right. Yeah, you got time. Watch, watch Chain to Busan again, which I totally want to do. <laughs> <laughs> is that on but Netflix? On, it is on Netflix. Okay, I, I might would, check it I, out. I, I recommend it. It's the best zombie movie I think I've ever seen. And it definitely get, has way more heart than you usually get with zombie-themed uh, media. So, Well, I don't think it's possible for it to be better than Shaun of the Dead, but... Uh... You know, it's I'll, I'll it's reserve than, my judgment for now. Spoiler: It's better than Shaun of the Dead. It's that damn good. <laughs> Blast and I love Shaun of the Dead. I love Shaun of the Dead, but in terms of it's it's incredible. And they just released the trailer for the sequel that's coming out in August. Um, it's a documentary this time, though. You know, so well, uh, it's be a little different feel. That was that was a joke because we're in a pandemic. Well, thank you all for <laughs> tuning in to our movie review podcast. <laughs> uh, why don't we get into it? Yeah, hey, Joel, why don't you uh, run down the card? The dynamite that was. Ooh, fancy new sound effects. I know. We can thank Maxwell Walterman from my improv group for that. All right, that's exciting. So uh, Dynamite kicked off with a reveal of the TNT Championship Tournament Bracket. And uh, the first half of the bracket had been revealed on Dark and they revealed the second half of the bracket, and it's uh, it's pretty exciting. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on. Next, there was a match between Kenny Omega and Trent, which uh, was really fun. We got some video packages for Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho promoting their feud, as well as a video package on Hikaru Shida, which led into a match between her and a newcomer to All Elite Wrestling, Anna Jay. Hikaru Shida getting the pinfall victory. And, uh, oh, I forgot to mention this, but Kenny Omega got the pinfall victory over Trent. We got a video package from John Moxley and then the debut of Lance Archer getting the pinfall victory over Marco Stunt. There was also a nice vignette from Jake the Snake leading into this match. And I'm sure we'll be checking in on that a little bit later on. We got another uh, vignette of Brody Lee as the exalted one, which led into a match between eight and nine of the Dark Order against the natural nightmares, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. Dustin and QT getting the pinfall victory there. That was followed by a vignette uh, between, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, Chris Jericho and Vanguard One. We got a check-in with Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson about uh, Nick's recovery and training to get back in the ring. And finally, the main event, Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears taking on Cody and Darby Allen. Sammy and Sean got the surprise pinfall victory in that bout with Darby taking the fall. So with that, let's jump right into Stock Up, Stock Down. 
Stock up, stock down. Mike, what stood out to you this week? Well, dude, we finally got it. Secondary championship in All Elite Wrestling. And we have been talking about this since day one. Not even of the podcast, since day one of All Elite Wrestling. We knew at the beginning that the focus would be on the World Championship, the Tag Team Titles, and the Women's Championship. And we've we've been talking for a while how all these mid-tier stars that they're building up, you know, future stars, franchise players as they've described them, be really good to have them compete over something. And we're finally getting it. I thought it's a little weird that it's the TNT Championship. I thought that was just a kind of a, a weird name, but, um, you know, I know their relationship with TNT is really strong. And it's going to be, you know, a relationship that they have for a long, you know, four years. They've already been extended. So, yeah, I'm, I'm crazy excited. Uh, I'm curious to see what the belt ends up ends up looking like. And I kind of find it funny because one of the things a lot of social media companies are doing right now are these tournaments because there's no content, you know, there's no live content. So we've seen, you know, a one-on-one NBA 2K simulation bracket who would win actually putting odds on the matches. Um, you've seen stuff with like the ringer doing movies and, uh, you know, TV characters and a March madness style bracket. So it's cool that we're actually getting that from, uh, AEW and I'm really excited for it. And we can run through the bracket at some point too, but, uh, I just think it's a really good thing for the company and it gives us something to really, really care about right now in our, our new reality. So. Yeah, there's an interesting cast of characters in this opening tournament, and I think it's it's good to jump into that because it'll, you know, give us some more to talk about. Sammy Guevara, Sean Spears, Cody, Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Lance Archer, and the last two are escaping me. Who am I missing? Kip Sabian and Dustin Rhodes. Ah, of course. So I thought it was interesting that. Cody is in there and I, I I think it's I don't think he's actually going to win it and I think it's going to be another opportunity for him to put somebody over and I'm I think it's likely that he reaches the final and that Lance Archer reaches the final you know Archer wanted to come in and get Cody's share what better way to do that than to knock him out of contention for the title that he is still eligible for so I think there's some opportunity for some big storytelling here and uh, he could potentially beat Dustin as well. If Dustin happens to get the win over Kip Sabian in his opening round bout. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with this on the other side of the bracket. I'd love to see Sammy Guevara get a shot. I'd love to see Darby get a shot. So just a lot of talent in this tournament and a lot of different branching pathways they can choose to go down. So I'm really excited about the championship itself and the tournament itself. There's actually one part of it that kind of annoys me, and that's Lance Archer being in it. And and, and let me let me explain. Last week, Cody was like, yeah, you don't get me right away. You got to start at the bottom. He beat Marco's stunt tonight. He gets to be in the, the tournament because he beat Marco's stunt? Like, every one of these guys, even Colt Cabana, even though he's been here only for a month, Cole Cabana has at least a three and three and zero, four and zero record in the company. Darby Allen's ranked top five. Cody's ranked top three. Um, Dustin's been on a winning streak with QT Marshall in their tag. You know, if, if the whole thing was 
Lance Archer doesn't deserve to fight me yet. Why the hell does he deserve to be in this championship tournament? And I would have rather seen Trent get one of those spots. Um, I think he would have been a perfect competitor for this, especially because we've just seen him show out nonstop for the last two months. And I just, I didn't, I don't know. I, and I don't really like, cause it really makes me think that right side of the bracket is a hundred percent Lance archers to take. And because of that, it really would make sense for Cody to make it to the final. So I think it takes a little bit of the juice out of it, even though I am still crazy excited. Um, but yeah, I just, if the whole thing was, he's not, he doesn't deserve Cody yet. Why that, why does he deserve this? So that was one of my initial thoughts when I saw the other half of the bracket revealed. Yeah, I, I was surprised to see him in it as well for the reasons that you outlined. But if he wants Cody, he still has to earn his way there. So I get it, but it also makes sense to have a, a high-profile debuting talent be in this tournament. Uh, and if there's one thing we've learned from, what is it at this point, six months, seven months of AEW content, six months, I think, Uh it's unpredictable. So it looks like everything is set up for Lance and Cody to meet in the final, but Cody could lose in the opening round against Darby Allen. And they planted some seeds. Oh, in... he, he faces Sean Spears in the first Sorry, round. Sean Spears. He could lose in the second round against Darby Allen. If Darby gets the win over um, Sammy Guevara and they kind of planted some seeds for that with the, the end of the main event where Sammy and Sean Spears were facing off against Cody and Darby Allen, Darby turning his back on Cody after the match and kind of blowing up on him a little bit. So I think there's just a lot of opportunity here. And that's why I see like a lot of different branching pathways. Obviously the most obvious one is for Cody and Lance Archer to meet, but sometimes predictable isn't bad if it's done well. If I see where it's going and you do a good job of telling me that story, then that's okay. So I get where you're coming from. And especially with a company that has said wins and losses matter, your record matters. And, you know, the promo of saying Lance Archer needs to do it here. He can't rest on his laurels from Japan. I get that it kind of feels wrong for him to just get a bid into this tournament automatically. But let's see where it goes. Yeah, and like like I said, it, it's, it it came more from maybe just want to see Trent get this opportunity. Um, you know, he's he's the one who I felt really like if we're doing you know first out first in based off of like March Madness uh, lingo, I, I definitely feel like Trent has to be had to be the last person out of this tournament. Um, I mean, maybe, but he also has like a six and eleven record, <laughs> so he's not well, remember, exactly record, on a hot streak. Records reset in 2020. I think his record's better this year. <laughs> so, but, you know, it, it is really exciting. And I love the fact that the left side of the bracket, the Sean Spears, Cody, Sammy Guevara, W. Allen side of the bracket has these built-in feuds that have been going on, you know, while Cody and Sean Spears haven't really feuded since uh, Revolution, not Revolution, I'm sorry, All Out. Um, you know, that's that was one of the big storylines for, you know, at the beginning of this company. And Guevara and Darby Allen have both been weaving in and out of each other for the last three months. And, you know, we were talking about last week, they referred to both of them as franchise players, you know, future stars of the company. I'm actually kind of <laughs> upset that one of them is going to have to be eliminated next week. So 
really curious to see, really glad that they have this secondary title coming into play. And yeah, if it ends up being Cody and Archer and the story makes sense, so be it. But um, yeah, just just excited to have this title um, show up and just, uh, yeah, they deserve it. And I can't wait to see how this tournament shakes down. Going to have seven pretty awesome matches <laughs> over the next five weeks with this, uh, six weeks with this tournament. So the the finals are at double or nothing. Who knows how that's going to go down? If that's going to go down, you know, that's end of May. So seven weeks from now, you know, hopefully this isn't still going on. But if it is, I'm sure they'll figure it out and uh, we'll go from there. Anything else about the AW Dynamite? Uh, sorry, the TNT Championship Tournament before we uh, move on? I like the name um, because it, essentially what it is, is it's the television champion right? Mm -hmm. And that's a name that we've heard a bunch of times. What they did was they took that and they put some spin on it. And I think that's pretty cool. So it's essentially the TV title. And that's an effective mid card. It's not another United States championship. It's not another intercontinental championship. It's, you know, it's got a different ring to it. Kind of like I like how the mid card belt in uh, NWA is the national title. So Mm -hmm. It just sounds a little bit different. And even though it's essentially the same thing, it's the same prop, it still feels a little bit different. So I kind of dig that. I really I really wish WWE went that route when SmackDown was on sci-fi, <laughs> the sci-fi championship. That would be pretty <laughs> sweet. Um, or um like go off the triple A mega championship, just do the AEW super duper title. <laughs> like <laughs> just go go weird with it. But yeah, it. It, it it's the TV championship basically, but I'm still waiting for the awkward. Bucks to bring back the super kick championships. Was that from Ring of Honor? Or they carried scene? those in Ring of Honor, New Japan, on the Indies. For a while, they were the Ring of Honor tag team champions. They were the junior heavyweight tag team champions, the IWGP junior heavyweight tag team champions. And they also were carrying around their super kick champions uh, belts and so they were were they they were walking around with six belts between them it was kind of awesome were they heels at that point because that seems like such a heel move i mean they're heels insofar as the bucks can ever be heels because they're gonna get cheers so it was you know uh it it was fun i enjoyed it all right something that uh, something that i did not enjoy uh from from this week was the continuation and evolution of of Brody Lee is Vince McMahon now. And (laughs) I thought it was fun when they were taking kind of subtle jabs, like you're not the first old man to underestimate me. Like that was a good line. And like, it could just on its face be a dig at Christopher Daniels. But then for people who are in the know, it's also obviously a jab at Vince, but him kind of embodying these Vince like characteristics And, you know, it just, it feels derivative and it bleeds into parody territory. And do you want the big heel badass leader of this dark and evil faction to be a parody character? I don't. I mean, it just doesn't interest me. I like what he's doing in the ring. I I liked when he came out after the match between eight and nine when eight and nine lost to the natural nightmares and he punished one of them and then 
looked at the other one as if to say, you know, the same thing will happen to you if you don't shape up. That seemed very in line with this evil cult leader kind of character. But all the Vince McMahon stuff, it just feels tired and derivative and childish. I love it. (laughs) It makes me laugh. (laughs) I'm enjoying it. And I don't, you know, it's, yeah, it's the first two weeks of it were a little more subtle, you know, in his debut. He talked about, you're not the first out of date old man to, you know, overlook me. And last week, the sneezing stuff was pretty funny in a, um, you know, COVID-19 world that we right. live in. I mean, even that, like there's another explanation for it. But the the yawning and being like, you know, being tired makes you look weak. It's like, you now everybody's tired sometimes. Vince yeah. McMahon likes to pretend like he's never tired. But guess what? He's either doing cocaine all the time or he's tired. I just liked his emphasis on Mr., you know, just because how... Over the last 20 years, Mr. McMahon and Vince McMahon are different characters. And Mr. McMahon is the asshole you see on TV. I just, I, I, I enjoy, I, I enjoyed it. And I'll tell you this, if he didn't do the thing where he came down and punished number eight, I probably would be with you, but we'll see, we're still seeing the badass side of his character, even with some of these goofy parody stuff. And I, I in my head, I'm like, you know what? I could see Vince really believing, you know, he is the chosen one. He's the exalted one. He is the one to fix our world of wrestling. And I like, I like it. I get it. And I want to see, I want to see them do more than, you know, he had a squash match basically last week and he, you know, there was no chance in hell. They were beating the the natural nightmares. This no week. chance in hell, huh? I didn't even do that on purpose. Boom. Um, but I would love to see them start to move on to either a that match with Christopher Daniels. And I know right now with COVID, you know, we really, I'm not going to criticize certain wrestlers not being there or storylines going on the back burner, just because we don't know if that's the reason why they're, they're not doing it, but I would love for to see them either a go into a, um, an actual feud like that, or, you know, they talk about how the Dark Order is is expanding and, you know, they're infiltrating things. I would love to see some actual people turn and join. You know, I know we had the Beaver Boys, but they're the Beaver Boys, you know, like, and I know we can't let the, the group get too big. You know, you don't want to be NWO here with like 25, 30 members. But I think a significant star at some point kind of saying, hey, I'm actually going to join this will give them some clout. So. Just, just want to see where they're going from here, and uh, you know, we'll see where they go with this this Vince McMahon thing. I feel like I'm, I'm, I like it, but also they need to evolve more. You know, we need to see what the new, what the new Dark Order looks like with Brody Lee as the leader. You know, we haven't seen Evil Uno or Stu Grayson since he debuted. Obviously, it could be part of what I just talked about, but we need to see how this group is going to differ and how Brody Lee is a X factor. Because before, you know, the Dark Order struggled. They they won the bye for the championship tournament last year, lost in their first match. And they've had these starts and stops and starts and stops where, you know, we basically gave up on them a couple of times. So how is this going to be different and why should we care? And that's what we need to see. And right now, I'm enjoying the comedy. I would love to see them evolve even more as we go forward. Yeah, I just think there's a fine line between meta 
and derivative. And right now we're leaning towards the derivative side. I'd like to get back on the other side of that line. So, but that's enough on that topic. I think we can well, move can on. I, can I talk to something a little bit related to this? Not necessarily. Of course. I yeah. like, I like how the natural nightmares are being positioned. They're not a tag team that, you know, that's going to, I don't know if we'll ever see them really at the top of the card, but they're like that good veteran hand that, you know, can go out there, make the other team look good, put on a really good solid match and not be hurt if they get a, you know, if they lose. Um, I know they've, they're undefeated as a tag team, which is great. And, you know, I feel like it's just a good stable team with, you know, obviously Dustin is an incredible veteran and QT Marshall's, you know, he's, he's been around the block too. So I feel like they're a great team that could work with some of these younger groups and yeah, I'm just really enjoying where they are. And I actually really enjoyed what they did in this match. Um, you know, it wasn't a long match and it wasn't really necessarily more than anything but a squash, but I like the look with them. I like Brandy kind of being their manager and yeah, thumbs up. I really like, uh, what they're doing with the natural nightmares. Yeah. And I think it's, it kind of reminds me of when you would randomly see Al Snow pop up when he yes. was the head trainer. And it's like QT and Dustin are heavily involved in training new talent and, and working with, with new people who are being brought into AEW alongside Glacier, actually. <laughs> and uh, so it, it's interesting because every time you see QT Marshall, it's kind of like seeing Al Snow when he would randomly pop up on an episode of SmackDown and lose to somebody. Um, only they're not losing, which is interesting. So one negative thing I will say, um, only two out of five Ortons for, for Dustin. <laughs> that was, that was a terrible power slam, uh, yeah. by, by the Orton scale standards. So, uh, I, I'd Cody, like to see Cody wins the, Cody wins the Orton off. Oh yeah. Four out of five, four out of five Ortons yeah. for Cody this week. That was, yeah. that was a nice power slam in the, in the main event, but, but yeah, step up your game, Dustin. <laughs> he's an old man he's an old man well it's it's um, one one now you know it, since we since we debuted the orton scale dustin has you know one victory and cody has one victory so we'll have to keep the tally going and and see where we come out we'll we'll reset the standings at the end of the year but uh but for now for now it's a tie <laughs> um and let's move on i know there's something that we both want to talk about and i think we both kind of look at as a stock up and that was Hikaru Shida versus a debuting Anna J. My notes literally say Hikaru Shida versus who? And uh, one of the funny things is that she was billed from Atlanta, Georgia, Anna J. And if you notice, they weren't at Daly's place today um, because the parking lot is being used as a COVID testing area. So you obviously shouldn't be doing a wrestling show where they're doing active testing. So on the, all the websites that said they're they're from some undisclosed location in the southeast, and the fact that this you know new wrestler who I thought was just going to be a straight jobber was built from Atlanta, Georgia, I feel like they gotta be close. I'm wondering if they're in that like southern Georgia type range, but that was just me contemplating. <laughs> I thought they were probably in the Jaguars practice facility because that was a football field they were on. I don't know if you noticed well, the turf I did and the the white yard markers um but i think that's probably pretty likely given their connection to the jaguars and the fact that the team isn't using it right now it's just a space that 
would be pretty convenient um, being, you know, in Jacksonville. So they wouldn't even have to move their operation that far, which of course is ideal right now. So, well, Florida, Florida has issued their, uh, like their stay in place order and finally hotels are not available really to the public anymore. So that's why I thought they might've moved out of Florida, but yeah, let's talk about this match. Holy crap. Anna Jay's got a great look, but the big thing that really stood out for me, I feel like we saw a ton of Sheeta personality this week. Definitely. And character stuff. Um, I kind of liked when she removed, like, the let her hair go, and, like, she just looked like a badass with her hair down and really physical, and I liked her talking shit with Britt Baker at ringside. Um, and you combine that with the the kind of vignette beforehand, like, man, like I, I, I can't wait for this eventual showdown with, uh, with Nyla Rose. Yeah, definitely. I thought the thing that stood out to me the most in this match was the pace. Uh, the thing I've been most critical of with the women's division in AEW is that it just feels like they're working in slow motion sometimes. And you've got those handful of, of workers who get into a really good flow and it's just chain wrestling of technical spot into technical spot and really good looking stuff. And, and that was very uh, present here. There were some really nice spots, some great technique shown. Uh, the chain pinning predicaments that came up, that looked really good. And I thought Anna Jay posted really impressively for that tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. That mm-hmm. looked great. It wasn't quite as fast as like a, you know, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero tilt a world, but nobody is. So I just was really impressed that, you know, she basically planked for that and it looked really good. I was impressed with the technique and I agree. I thought Sheeta was really leaning into the strong style aspects of her character. And that was also aided by that video package. So I like that they're creating more of a defined persona for her. I think they had leaned into her power and strength in her earlier matches with having her be the one who was able to get Nyla up for a Falcon arrow. And, you know, she did the same thing to Chris Statlander and has just been doing some, some different power wrestling spots. And I thought that developing that strong style part of her is a good move for getting the audience to buy in on her even more. And I think she's already one of the more popular wrestlers in the women's division. So I think she's getting positioned really, really well. And obviously I think, you know, Nyla could hold the belt for a long time, but if you wanted to course change, Sheeta has definitely been built up in a way that going into the match, you're going to be able to argue for either one to be coming out on top. So I really like this match and I really hope that they sign Anna Jay if they haven't already. I know they mentioned that she's a product of the nightmare factory. So she was mm-hmm. trained by QT Marshall, trained by Glacier, trained by Dustin. And uh, she definitely has great technique and athleticism. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And what I really liked from uh, I, I, what my main criticism with Asian wrestlers, not Asian wrestlers, but how they're booked and some American companies is that their character is that they're from Asia, (laughs) you know, and you get that a lot in the other wrestling company, you know, and I feel like they've, they've transitioned her character. No, she's just a badass who works strong style and you don't want to mess with her because she'll kick your ass. And, you know, it, 
it reminds me of kind of like Io Shirai and NXT. It's like, holy crap, Io Shirai is one of the scariest women in the company. Um, and you don't want to mess with her. So I really like how they've done that. And I, re- I, I really like the, the Britt Baker stuff. And I think they, I think they had Chick-fil-A catering cause she was definitely eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich during that match. Whenever she went over to mess with her. And I loved her screaming at Cheetah six feet, six feet, like stay away. It was just yeah, r- really funny. And I love the mirror universe wife jokes that they were throwing with uh, Shivani and how yep. him and uh, Brie Baker, like, BFFs now. So re- really fun stuff. And, you know, we didn't get a women's match last week on the main show. Um, so just really glad to see that we got some of that this week. And yeah, Anna J hope she's a part of what AEW is doing going forward. Cause I think she's really, really talented. And this was a good match. I think there was some chemistry issues early on, you know, I'm sure they haven't worked together much. So, you know, I, there were some weird spots with like waiting for something to someone else to do something or, waiting for, you know, to communicate what they should do next. But um, I think that just comes from the unique situation we're in. Cause I doubt if we weren't in this situation right now, she probably wouldn't have, have her debut match against Sheeta like that. So um, yeah, fun, fun stuff. I, one other spot, she, uh, Sheeta did that, like she did a suplex and then she did that. Remember where like Booker T would like do that arm twist and then kick you on the side of the head, like going yeah. across your mm-hmm. body. Like Sheeta pulled that off and it looked great real really oh no did she hit no, that no. or did that was anna j anna j yeah anna j hit that and i was like damn like i got some booker t vibes from that so um yeah i thought it was gonna be a straight up squash we've actually like the last two weeks there's been matches on the card that looked like they were just gonna be straight up squash matches and they end up being a little more competitive than i thought so yeah good showing from anna j anything else uh with regards to this match uh i don't think so i think we've we've talked about it enough uh, shall we move into the lightning round? Lightning round. Man, I love playing with these sounds. Um, <laughs> uh, I think uh, the first thing I want to talk about, uh, Coca ban on commentary rules. <laughs> like he, <laughs> he did the second half of the show. Cody did the first half and it's just, he's so talented. And I think if they decided, Hey, we don't need you to work as much. We'd like you to do commentary. I think Cook Banna would be a great addition to the commentary team. They have some really good members on commentary right now. So like they don't need him for that role, but I really enjoyed what he was doing. And I just love, I don't know if this is something he says on like the podcast or, you know, part of his character, but he's like, I'm also a wrestler. Like I just loved him emphasizing that again during commentary tonight. So yeah, Cole Cabana, great job on commentary. And Cody did great in the first half. And I, I really, this has been a really good showcase for Shivani. He did have a few screw-ups at the end. He got some of the uh, the bracket matches wrong. Um, and he, you know, messed up who turned on who. But uh, for overall, I think it's just been a really nice showcase for, for him as well. Because he's taking the burden of commentary right now with Taz, JR, and Excalibur um, not there. Yeah, I thought commentary was really sharp this week. And I've been a fan of Colt Cabana on commentary for a long time. He has done a lot of commentary for Ring of Honor, and I'm sure other promotions as well. Uh, but the tandem of he and Ian Riccoboni was what I listened to a lot watching Ring of Honor and just really, really knowledgeable. And I like the way he is a subtle face announcer. 
Like he does have his rooting interest, but he'll hang a lantern on it and say like, you know, I try not to be biased, but, and then he'll say something about how dastardly somebody is or, you know, how much he likes a certain baby face wrestler. And um, I also just love the jokes. Uh, I love the setup with the, you know, why is six afraid of seven? Uh, and instead of saying, because seven, eight, nine, he says, well, because seven is the bigger and, and more intimidating and dominating of, of the, the numbers. And so naturally six is afraid, you know, is just a, a fun twist on a joke that we've all heard a million times. And uh, yeah, he's a big goofball. And I love it. Yep. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about with, within lightning round was the debut of Lance Archer. Kind of surprising that this wasn't in our stock up, stock down, but it was a squash match. So that's kind of why we're putting it here instead. Um, but this match, I mean, it was a hell of a squash match. Some of the spots, some of the bumps that Marco took, I mean, it almost felt like this was a way for them to write him off the show for a little <laughs> while. Um, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but I think his grandmother just died uh, yeah. earlier this week. And so if he wants to take some time, this is a good way to write him out of the storyline, just have him get absolutely demolished by Lance Archer. Uh, but man, some of the spots in this match were nuts. Yeah, I I tweeted during the show. I'm like, Cody, why do you hate Marco? I know I hate Marco. Why do you hate Marco? Because <laughs> this just seems like, you know, why? Why? Like, I get, you know, a squash match. Usually it's a smaller guy. They looked like different species out there. <laughs> like, if, if you told me, you know, aliens came to Earth, and you told them, oh, these are two different types of primates. They'd probably be like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, I really enjoyed the choke slam into the gun club at ringside. Yeah, that was pretty and wild. Holy crap. From the apron over the barricade, like dangerous spot. doesn't matter if Marco's a little guy and you can throw him that far. That's a dangerous spot. So good showing. Poor Marco. He's just a boy. And they, they murdered him. So <laughs> He's just a um, boy. He's just a boy. Um, but yeah, good debut. I'm curious to see him, obviously, Archer against more, you know. Oh, I, and like, uh, yeah, Cole Cabana was like, I'm, I'm like 250. Like, you can't, you can't do that to me. So, um, be nice to see Archer, you know, fight some actual sized humans. But yeah, it was fun and good for Marco. He, he really, he really made, uh, Archer look, like a million bucks. Yeah, that toss suplex across the ring that was like just a standard vertical suplex position, but then he just like released and flung him. Uh, that was just crazy. I've never seen that spot done like that before. And this match was brutal. There was the the ragdoll side slam, a gigantic choke slam in the middle of the ring. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, Lance Archer really leaning into the everybody dies motif. And uh, I'm excited to, to see what he does moving forward. I think this match with Colt Cabana coming up in the opening round of the TNT championship tournament is going to be interesting just to see what do they do with this? How do they make this character work against a larger opponent that he can't just toss around like a ragdoll? So we'll see. Yeah. Um, so for me, another item on lightning round that I want to talk about is the Vanguard one Chris Jericho promo. And honestly, 
everything before Vanguard one showed up, I thought was pretty bad, you know, comparing, you know, calling Cody, Cody exotic based off of tiger King and, you know, instead of Damascus, dumb ass kiss, like, that's fine. You know, but as soon as Vanguard one showed up, you know, Vanguard one, I knew you'd come like making a joke from two weeks ago or last week. Um, and I just loved him like offering him the little tiny shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, let's shake on it. Well, no elbow to propeller. And then he throws a freaking bottle of champagne at the damn thing. Well, release the went, pounds. I, mean- I died. I died. I laughed so hard. And like, I had like, they like zoomed on one, like the little dogs and the little dogs like, eh. <laughs> like it was so, but his so delivery was funny. so good. I, I loved the whole segment. I thought it was, you know, kind of what we're tuning in for, right? It's this, it's this charade. It's this goofball narrative. It's this wild and out of control soap opera that is professional wrestling. And it was just fantastic. I loved it. And, you know, at the end, he's all dejected. He's like, I can't believe he stole my little shirt. Oh, no. He said that little bastard oh, that, stole yeah, my yeah, shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that's so funny. It was so funny. Yeah. That, uh, I had, I was laughing out loud watching that segment. It was so fun. And like, it feels a little bit cornball, but it's, I think it's okay for this feud between Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho to be a little bit cornball because Jericho's not carrying the title anymore. So you've got somebody who at his best is doing kooky and off the wall stuff. I mean, I think the best thing in recent memory that Chris Jericho did before he left the other wrestling company was the festival of friendship, which was Mm -hmm. like just goofy goofy and over the top and, you know, until it wasn't, you know, uh, but it's pro wrestling at its best. This is the kind of content that I'm tuning in for every week. And I'm, I'm really excited that they're leaning into the silliness and, um, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, where we go from here. Well, I like that. It's a feud within a feud, you know, it's infusion, if you will, like you have the overall elite versus inner circle match that we're going to have with blood guts but then you have these this individual part that is different in tone you know and i like what you said it was goofy and corny until it wasn't and we know once this stops being corny it's gonna be violent and you know and right now like honestly we need some comedy you know we need some stuff to make us laugh and i thought they did a really good job and just when you put you know we 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 vent about some of the creative stuff Jericho has done, but man, you have him and Matt Hardy working on stories together like this. And we know in AEW, the wrestlers have a lot more input into their actual um, creative. Those, I don't know if there's a better combination of minds you would want for some storytelling right now. So um, excellent pairing. I'm glad they're doing it. And yeah, <laughs> release the hounds. <laughs> it's just so do you have another item from lightning round joel yeah i think we'd be remiss if we didn't dive in and talk about kenny omega and trent and this was just a fantastic match some really cool spots and some things that were very impressive i thought this was a a great opportunity for trent to get some shine in a high profile match kicking off the show as the first match on the card and 
I, I was really impressed with the uh, the first spot that, that really drew me in was that huge acai moonsault from Trent. I hadn't seen him do stuff like that before. And mm-hmm. he got some air. That was really impressive and really fun. And I thought they told a great story throughout the match with Kenny focusing on a body part and working Trent's back and almost seeming heelish at times. And, you know, they've, they've hinted to and alluded to the, the wild and unchained violent side of Kenny Omega throughout AEW as, as it's been on television, but we haven't seen it much outside of the hardcore matches that he's been in. This was a great showcase of how brutal he can be and how violent he can be. That spot where he powerbombed him into the post was yeah. nasty. And, Incredible uh, strength to do that. Yeah, uh, I was really impressed as well with the, the delayed German suplex onto the floor that was almost like a deadlift German. I mean, that was mm-hmm. really, really nasty. And all of those spots are consistent with working the back. He hit those big backbreakers, and it's just really, really all went into the same thing. And, and then, of course, we got the the signature lightning finish from Omega, where he yep. nails the V-trigger, gets into the one-winged angel right away. One, two, three, match over. Yeah, it was really great. My favorite spot from the match was that baseball slide German suplex type thing that Trent pulled out. Yeah. That thing was awesome. They actually posted a video of it's like, name this move. And like all these fans were posting. I posted, I, I, I called it the slide into the DMs. Um, <laughs> that was my name for it. Uh, it got some likes too. So I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But yeah, it was a crazy fun match. Uh, kind of why I was disappointed that <laughs> Chuck wasn't in the tournament because he just freaking showed. Trent, sorry. I'm, I'm disappointed Chuck's not. No, I'm not. Um, and also, I really wish <laughs> I loved when Kenny set up like, Hey guys, come hug me. And like Cassidy started walking to him with open arms. <laughs> <And> then, yep. <laughs> really wish it would have happened. Cassidy just wanted a hug. Um, but yeah, great stuff. Fun match. Um, I only have one more thing that I want to, I want to mention oh, technically two things, but they're both from the main event. I loved, <laughs> I loved, uh, Sammy and, um, the chairman, geez, I just blanked for a second. Sean Spears. Uh, yeah, I just completely blanked on his name. Um, doing their bet escalations in the middle of the match with the the hanging uh, suplex on Darby. 10 seconds. Okay, okay, okay. 15 seconds. And then it failed on the the 20. And I loved on the last suplex how Darby like pushed his feet off the ropes to get out of it. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was one of the more unique uh, counters I've ever seen. Once again, he's a counter wrestler. And then also then Darby climbing up that pole and doing a coffin drop off of it. Like great way to use this environment to your advantage. And I just great spot. And yeah, really, really fun stuff. Um, Anything else in the lightning round, Joel, for you? No, I think we've pretty much covered it. I lied. I have one more. (laughs) Since this wasn't at Daly's place or at a big arena, it, it obviously was a much smaller setup and the camera angles looked a little different. It felt a little more intimate. And last week with no crowd, it definitely felt a little more awkward. This week kind of reminded me of the first episode they'd done since we've been social distancing. There was good, good sound from the fan, you know, fans in the crowd. And I loved how everyone at, at 
in the crowd was six feet apart, except when they weren't, when Britt Baker hit Cody with a shoe. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I just like the setup at the arena this week. I thought they did a good job um, and also kind of doing the best they can in this weird situation. Well, there's so. clearly some evolving guidelines and, you know, from the first week they did this to last week when they had no fans out at ringside to this week having a few people and spacing them out. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see from week to week, what do we get? What are they allowed to do? And how is that going to affect the matches in the ring? Because I will say this week and the first week, I liked much better than last week. Yeah. The episode last week I I felt was just kind of forgettable. Uh, And not that good things didn't happen. Obviously, we had things that we liked that we talked about. But, you know, this was was much better to me and a lot more fun. So I like that they're finding a way to capture that atmosphere. And I'm interested to see what we're going to get next week and the week after. And for however long we're in this new reality. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm trying to stay optimistic. So I really hope that we they can keep going uninterrupted. But, man, they're running out of places to do this. And. You know, it snuck up on me. WrestleMania is this weekend. I know. <laughs> and and they don't even know if they can do Raw and SmackDown after Mania next week. Well, they've so, already filmed Raw, so. Well, there's talks that if they can't do SmackDown and there's a true stay in place, they may not air that Raw. They may actually take a break until they can, you know, truly get in a routine again. So, you know. If if it ends up only being three or four weeks of AEW since we all got quarantines, that's three or four weeks that I'm really, really grateful that we have. So, um, but yeah, let's do a little house cleaning. You can find us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. You can email us at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, iTunes. If you're a droid guy like me, you can find us on practically any of the podcasting apps in the Android store. Uh, we'd love for you guys to reach out, talk to us. I'm noticing we're getting more interactions during live tweeting and some random stuff like that. So keep it up. Um, and Joel, you know, uh, anything to add? Oh, just my random observation of the week. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. observation of the week it also goes a little long so, yeah it's a little long uh i love it though joel what's your random observation of <laughs> the week uh so orange cassidy needs to work on his reflexes uh because <laughs> you know we saw cody did his normal thing and, and ripped his shirt off and threw it into the audience and uh it was going right to cassidy but he reached out about four seconds after the shirt went past his face so got to work on those reflexes i mean it, it's hand-eye coordination and it's it's just shameful you know uh, I, i'd is. like to see more from him you know it's just effort man you know it's just effort and you know he tries every now and then but well you know next time he should try to catch a shirt <laughs> maybe he was just waiting for the belt you know maybe he was waiting for cody to throw the weight belt maybe he wants that instead i'd rather have that than the t-shirt so <laughs> that's just me so well on that note <laughs> let's Let's take it home. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.